you have your Bible, I'd like for you to turn with me in Matthew chapter 14. I realize this morning as we gather, we gather with a lot of different things that are running through your heart and soul this morning. There's a lot of different things that are on your mind. So I want to encourage you this morning just to pause. Just as an opportunity to say, Lord, I I want to hear your voice this morning. And as you come this morning, maybe the waves have been pretty rough this week. Maybe God is really putting some pressure on you as an individual to mold and shape your heart into what He wants it to be. So really the question this morning as we pause is really will we open up our our life and say, okay, I want to hear your voice. I want to, I want to listen to you. So this morning as you're here with the Scriptures in front of you and your Bibles at Matthew chapter 14, may it not just be where your Bible is. May your willingness to be in your heart to say, okay, Lord, I, I got my Bible in the right place. And He doesn't need this. He could force you to do whatever He wants you to do this morning or what He wants to do in your life this morning. But He really wants you just to pause and say, okay, Father, I'm ready to hear your voice. And as you hear that, the voice through the Scriptures and you hear a voice of encouragement or you hear the voice of saying, you know what, maybe God wants you to go in a little bit different direction. Whatever it is this morning, I would just want to encourage you to listen well. Listen to the, to the Scripture as you, as you look at it. This is going to be a couple verses and that you, you know well. But as you sit around the things that you know well, there's some really neat truth in the midst of all this. And so we've just come off in Matthew chapter 14 where we've, we've been where we've watched John the Baptist as an individual that's, that's in prison, but he's not willing to walk away from being a man of truth. And so it's going to cost him his life. We had a chance to see where God has fed the 5,000. Jesus is there and you've got two, two loaves and uh, you've got um, fish and loaves and you have Jesus. And a miracle of 5,000 men eat. Have you seen him do anything in your life this week? Has there been an opportunity for you to pause and say, wow, God, that's you. I see you this morning. I hear you. Oh, look at this situation where you've, you've done this. He's still alive and he's doing some amazing things. And... Uh, but we have to, to take some time and look at it because it's easy to see the waves. It's not so easy to see Jesus in the midst of the waves. It's easy to see, wow, this is just terrible. Have you thought about maybe kind of has the preciousness of a diamond is formed through heat and pressure that God wants to do that inside of you? That God is just putting the clamps on you and say, stop a second. I want to I do something inside of you. I want to make you whole. I want to make you a new creation. I want you to see me. So this morning as you're at Matthew chapter 14, you're going to get a chance to see the mountains. And if you know me, you know that I love the mountains. I love the snow. I love the cold weather. And so Matthew chapter 14, you pick it up in verse 22. Immediately after he fed the 5,000, immediately 
he made that his disciples go to get into a boat and go to to uh, before him to the, to another place to the other side while he dismissed the crowds and after he had dismissed the crowds he went up on the mountain by himself to pray when evening came he was alone there as you're gathered this morning around the scriptures you have Jesus in the mountains and as you read through that passage of Scripture, you get the word pray. And I think there's a lot of times when we see the word prayer, it automatically uh, flips our mind to say, okay, God, this is what I need from you. God, this is my list. God, these are all the things that I'm unsatisfied with. And God, if you'd really love me, you would listen to my list. And so when you read the word prayer in Scripture, This isn't where Jesus is there before his father saying, okay, dad, I've got some problems that you need to take care of today. When you read the word prayer in Scripture, your mind should go to Matthew chapter 6, 9 through 11. And so if you have your Bible, you might want to flip back there. And so as you think about uh, the word prayer, I want you to maybe kind of re-familiarize with the whole concept of prayer. It's really an opportunity where Jesus is demonstrating to you and us what it means to have a relationship with his Father. It's a time where he sits down and says, okay, Father, these are some thi- this is what I want to do. I want to develop this relationship. And there's not really a good you know, illustration or a word picture to, to make you understand all of this. But if you go to Matthew chapter 6, you read some words that you've probably memorized, but we haven't really thought about it other than what we've just memorized. And so when you think about prayer, I want you to think about prayer from the Matthew chapter 6 perspective. Pick it up uh, in verse 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus is on the mountainside with his father. And I'm pretty sure he's talking to his father in reverence. He's on the mountainside saying, Hallowed be your name. As you think about your personal time with the Lord and your devotions or whatever you want to call that, is there a time in your relationship when you're you, just you and Jesus, you and God, is there reverence involved in that? It's interesting to me that all the prayer meetings that I've been to over the years, since I was a little person, and it's, it's always you go and sit down and you say, what is, what do people say? What are your what? Requests. And we start with the request. I don't see Jesus starting with requests when he teaches us how to pray in Matthew chapter 6. It's about Jesus saying, okay, Father, what is your will? What do you want to do here? If you go on a little bit farther, your kingdom come, your will be done. Father, it's really not about me. There's a response as you look at Jesus teach us in Matthew chapter 6. And this stuff is some time that we spent with Daniel Henderson and so if you, have, if you get a chance, we, we sometimes will have one of his books out here from the book club over the years that we do, just working our way through changing Bible Fellowship Church into a church that prays a little bit different. 
So when you hear the word prayer around our circles, it's not where you're just going to go sit and one person's going to wax eloquent for 45 minutes and use words that he never uses in everyday life, and we're all going to walk away thinking, man, that guy has an intimate relationship with Jesus. Listen to him pray. No, that's not what we're doing. When you see the word prayer around who we are as a family, you need to realize that we're stopping and saying, okay, Father, we want your will to be done. There's reverence involved in who we are. There's a response to who we are. And that response is for us to lay down our pride and say, Father, it's not about my will, it's your will be done. Because there's a fact of every single one of you sitting in this room. And the fact is you all are broken. And so am I. But we live in a generation we don't really want to celebrate our weaknesses. We want to celebrate our successes. And that was nothing to do with Jesus when he was on this earth. It was never about, oh, look what he did. It was always where he was and who he was with. Where did Jesus spend his time? With sinners. Who did Jesus use when he went to the woman at the well? It was the woman. So this morning as you gather, there's there's a temptation for us to say, you know what? I really don't need God. And I know you're here, and you're in church. But there's still a temptation to say, okay, look, I'm in church, God, you need to do it my way. Best way is, wait, you know, when the, when the Yankees come back, that's why I am a Yankee, when the Yankee comes back, they might be sitting in your seat. Wow. That could be just a little bit of a red flag that life might be about you. Rather than, Lord, if whoever's sitting in my seat, may they hear your voice in a Sunday. May I be willing to set aside me, because life is not about me, and I humble myself. Is it true that God resists the proud? Is that true? James tells us that, right? So if you're here this morning and you're proud, God is resisting you. But he gives grace to the people that say, I have a need this morning. That I'm coming to you with the response of a heart that is broken. And Father, I want you to do something inside of me. The other thing you see in this Matthew chapter 6 passage of Scripture is he says, give us this day our daily bread. And there is opportunity in our relationship with Christ. In our prayer time, say, God, this is an issue. God, this is my daily need. Lord, would you please fix the car? Lord, would you do something so the rotors don't squeak anymore? Lord, would you give me wisdom to where to take this vehicle? Lord, I'm not sure how all the money is going to budget this week. Would you just show me? There are opportunities for your request. And then at the end of Matthew chapter 6, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's like a readiness. God, send me out into the world to make a difference. I love to think that my heavenly Father is fighting for me. And my favorite passage of Scripture of that is in, in Exodus chapter 15. The Israelites did not throw the horse and rider into the sea. God did. The Israelites did not bring down the walls of Jericho. God did. The Israelites, or, or Moses didn't have power in himself to be the leader, but God had the power. Just say, I am. Moses, come to the realization that I am is talking to you. Come to the realization that, Moses, I can meet your needs. 
And you can go on and on with biblical characters. Hebrews chapter 11, men and women that said, God, it's not about me. God, you go and fight for me. God, you rescue that marriage. God, you rescue that young man that's decided, no, I don't want to be involved in this anymore. God, you do something in their lives. And so as you think about this time that on the mountainside, before Jesus is going to go down and walk on the water, he's going to be involved in a relationship with his father. So maybe you can look at it from this perspective. Psalm chapter 8, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Has there been a pause in your world and your devotion saying, God, I want to celebrate you this morning? Psalm chapter 19, verse 7, if you want to look at that passage of Scripture. Psalm 19, 7, you read these words. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testament of the Lord is sure, making the wise, making wise the simple. The precept of the Lord's are right. Rejoice in the Lord in the heart. And commandments of the Lord is what? Pure. There's a desire for us to open this book for instruction. Have you heard him speak to you? Read the Bible out loud tomorrow morning. That's God speaking to you. One of the other ones as you read, if you go on, is is Psalm chapter 9 and verse 2. And you can see that as well if you flip in your Bible to Psalm 9 verse 2. You read these, these words. The psalmist said, I will be glad and extol in your, exalt in your name. I will sing praises to your, your name, O Most High. In your time with the Lord, have you stopped and, and remembered yourself and spoke out loud saying, God, I want to celebrate. I want to rejoice that you are sovereign. Father, I want to rejoice that I have a father that can be the stronghold of my life. Father, I want to pause this morning and just rejoice that you're a God of graciousness. That my father is a gracious father. Rejoice this morning that my father is faithful. Rejoice this morning that my father's mercies are new every morning. And I realize this morning that most of you have an earthly father. Please do not bring that relationship to your heavenly father. And you're right in the parking lot this morning. The sky was just beautiful. And I just stopped and said, thanks, Dad. That's for me. Thanks, Father. We're doing something that I could see you this morning. See, my concern is, is that your relationship with Christ can just you be just, well, I read my Bible and went about it. That's not what we're talking about when you see Jesus on the mountainside. As you go through some other passages of Scripture, and I'll move a little bit quick. I won't, won't put them all on the screen, but if you go and you watch Jesus' relationship with his Father in Luke chapter 22, verse 42, Father, if it's your will, take this cup from me, not my will, but yours be done. You go to James chapter 15, verse 4. I mean, John 15, 4. Remain in the vine, and I will remain in you. Are we remaining? Are we abiding with Jesus? Do we have that relationship with him in the morning that you want to hear your voice? I realize this is a terrible, it can be a terrible you know, example because you can't really put this together, but 
I talk to Susan as much as I talk to Jesus, would she like my relationship or dislike my relationship? How much time have I invested with Jesus compared to how much time have I spent time with Susan just in communication? And there's a temptation 24 years ago that I would listen to everything that she said. And now, 24 years later, I still want to have that same intimate relationship with her. I want to know, what's going on in your world, babe? That transfers over to my relationship with Christ. God, what do you want from me? Father, what do you have for me today? What do you want to do inside of me? I think one of the psalms that need want to be the, one of the psalms of our heart is Psalm 51. You read David's word, creating us a clean heart. Father, what do you want to do inside of me to clean me up? What do you want to change inside of me? And so this morning, I don't know what it looks like for you, but my question is, is what does your time with Jesus look like? Is it just you to sit down and read the verse and and away you go? Is there any listening involved? Is there any going like, wow, thank you, thank you, Father, that's a That's for me today. Is there a time where you just pause and say, Father, I just want to thank you for it, and you fill in all the blanks. So when you read the word prayer, that's how I define prayer. As I look at Matthew chapter 14, I look at Jesus and his Father in communication back and forth. There's another thing that I love about Matthew chapter 14 is the boat. And I like boats. I love being on the water. And so I'm not saying it's biblical for you to have a boat, but it's interesting how much happens around boats in Scripture. Uh, please, men, do not use that as leverage on your, with your wife so you can get a boat. But Jesus is by himself to pray, and when evening came, he was alone. But in verse 24, but the boat by this time was a long way, long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth hour of the watch, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, If it's you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And he began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Jesus is going to take something, and I don't know if this is specifically what a boat looked like in Bible times, but I just tried to find an old boat. He's going to take something that is common. Don't miss this. This is an opportunity he's going to teach his disciples a lesson. And he's going to get into what is familiar to them to teach them an incredible life lesson. He's going to use this boat. And I want to remind you who's in the boat. The fishermen are in the boat. 
So they know water. They know wind. They know waves. You know what they don't know? How somebody walks on water. And so in the midst of their fear, Jesus is going to step in. So I want you just to pause. And I want you to think about this. John the Baptist has been beheaded. The feeding of the 5,000, the disciples had to be on this huge high. Wow, he's an amazing guy. The amazing guy whose name is Jesus, what did he do? He put them in a boat knowing wind and waves were coming their way. You need to highlight this in your thinking. You need to reprioritize or program your mind. Jesus is for you. For what? Spiritual maturity, not you being happy. That is filtrated right into us as a church in the United States of America, in Highlands County. Just tell me something so I can be happy. I'm telling you truth that God's going to send you into waves on purpose. He said to the disciples, go get in the boat. (laughs) I got a life lesson I'm going to teach you. And I'm going to send wind, and I'm going to send waves, and you're going to be afraid. Now, can you imagine the disciples? They've seen wind, they've seen waves, but they've never seen anybody walk on water. So can you imagine the conversation in the boat? Do you see that? No, I don't see that over there. Do you see it? No, 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 I don't see that over there. It's a ghost. Man, all the way back in Bible times, we have ghosts. That's very interesting. It's a ghost. It's their Messiah. It's their Savior. It's their friend, and his name is Jesus. You know what I find interesting? There's only one disciple that wants to get out of the boat. When they hear his voice, there's only one. I'm thinking... This guy's walking on water. We're the disciples. We're in the boat. We're involved in the waves. We're involved in all this stuff. And there's somebody walking, and he speaks, and only one person wants to get out of the boat. Does that interest you? And a lot of times when you read this, you're thinking, oh, yep, there goes Peter again. He's going to get himself in trouble. I don't read it that way. I'm thinking, Peter, you you got some guts. If it's you, Jesus, you tell me to come. Jesus says, come. And Jesus allows Peter to walk on water. How many steps do you think he got? How much joy must have been going on inside of him thinking, holy mackerel, I'm the only one that got out of the boat. I'm the only one that will ever go down in history that I walked on water. This is awesome. I can't wait to tell my neighbors. But there's something here for all of us to see. As soon as you take your eyes off of Jesus, you will sink. There's something else that I want you to see here. As soon as you take your eyes off the commandments of Jesus, you will sink. 
as soon as you allow the situation and the circumstances that he has designed in your life to develop spiritual maturity, as soon as you put your eyes on those situations, ladies and gentlemen, you will sink. Peter's only walking on water for two reasons. One, because he's got his eyes on Jesus and because he believed what Jesus said in his word. Come, get out of the boat, sir, and walk. Jesus, if you say to me, I'll get out of the boat. If I hear your voice, I'll obey. All right, Peter, come. And away he goes, walking on water. There's a thought here. Circumstances caused Peter to take his eyes off of Jesus. Circumstances stopped Peter from abiding in Christ. Circumstances rocked Peter's faith. He said, come, I'm going to go walk. He told me to do it. Never forget this quote. I was with Kevin Roberts. Circumstances of life that God had designed to remove one of his kidneys. Because there was cancer inside of one of his kidneys. And the doctor said, if we just remove this one kidney, we can take the whole cancer out of that kidney. So in the midst of the circumstance, Kevin Roberts said this. When you're in the boat with Jesus, two things you can be sure. One, the boat won't sink. And two, the storm won't last forever. So we need to stay in the boat, take a deep breath, slow down, continue to trust in Jesus. I don't know what your circumstances are. I don't know what's going on in your world at this point. But I want to say something to you. Keep your eyes on the commandments of Jesus. If he says he's faithful, he will be faithful. If he says his mercies are new every morning, then his mercies will be new every morning. If he offers you an opportunity for forgiveness of your sin, 1 John 1, 9, go for it. Say, Father, I recognize that I'm a sinner. I am wrong. Keep your eyes on the commandments of Jesus, not your circumstances. And because you're human, and because what we do naturally is just in nature, it's easy for us to always look at the circumstances. It takes training, energy, and effort to say, hold on a second. This is a circumstances, so I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on you, Jesus. I know what's going on. I'm aware of all this, but I know who's in the middle of all of it. His name is Jesus. He will always be there. So this morning, as you go through this, the, the Sunday school lesson of Peter and Jesus walking on water, I want to end with this thing, and then we're going to do communion in just a second. I want you to look at verse 32. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. These individuals worship. What does worship mean? They're saying, Jesus, you are worthy. It's all about you. So this morning as you're gathered around, 
as a family, we can talk about mountains and we can talk about boats and we can talk about Jesus, but what's really in front of you this morning is who do you say that he is? When was the last time that you had an intimate time with him where you read the word of God and say, yes, this is something that that demonstrates who you are. I want to be in awe of who you are. When was the last time that you read the scriptures and said, okay, I need to receive some instruction from you this morning? What's the last circumstance that he had you in that was so difficult that all you could do is throw up your hands and say, okay, Jesus, I'm just going to pause and worship you today. I'm going to take my eyes off of the circumstances, and I'm going to say, okay, it's all about you. We're going to celebrate communion in just a second. Communion is an opportunity for us to be reminded of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. This communion table is open to anyone in this building this morning. And I say it often, we're not, we don't have video cameras, we're not watching you from uh, this morning to see who does and does not take communion. Okay, so don't, don't get stressed out if, if you pass the communion cup or if you pass the bread. There will not be anybody in the foyer looking to meet you and ask you why you didn't take communion. All right? But who do you say that he is? Not your dad, not your neighbor, not your mom, not your children. Who do you say he is? Is he your savior? Is he the one that that you are reminded of this morning that said, yep, he was the one that gave his body for me. The Romans didn't kill him. He said it, it was finished. He laid himself down on the cross so that his body would be broken for you. Why? Because he wanted to pay your sin penalty before his father. He was in the garden in Luke chapter 22 saying, not my will but yours be done. God, I really don't want to die, but if you want a relationship with these people on earth, then there's only one way it's going to take place. It's going to be me giving up my body. It's going to be me giving up my blood for them. That's the only way that they can know you as Father. And if that's your plan, not my will, but yours be done. That's why there was wrestling in the garden. Because his father wanted a relationship with you. He wants to hear your voice tomorrow morning, this afternoon. He wants you to interact with the scriptures. He really wants you to say, okay, I surrender. It's not about me. It's about what was done and given for me, and because what was given for me, I'll give back. The cross is a representation. This morning, the communion will be a representation of his death, burial, and resurrection for you. If you said yes to Jesus, the communion table is open to you. Before the guys come down, it's just going to be a moment of um, just quiet. Pastor Andy's going to come in just a second. But I want you to be aware of this. First Corinthians. Chapter 11, what I like to use for communion. The church at Corinth did not take this seriously. I'm not trying to scare you, okay? But this church in Corinth said, you know what? It's not a big deal. It's just juice. It's just bread. I remind you this morning, 
Paul's words to the church at Corinth, many had fallen asleep because they had unconfessed sin, and they just said, you know what, it's not a big deal. I'll take communion. It cost them their lives. So it's just going to be just an opportunity to be quiet for you, just to have a little come-to-Jesus meeting with Jesus. If there's something in your life that you need to say, you know what, I am wrong, Father. I need to pause this morning and say, you know what, I'm living in sin in this area of my life. Then go ahead and ask for forgiveness. Go ahead and recognize this isn't a game. This isn't just something we do at church. We are pausing to say, you know what, you gave your life for us, so we want to give our lives back to you. So it just says the guys come forward, Pastor Andy comes. Just Just a little quiet time, you and Jesus. Is there any area of your life that you need to ask for forgiveness of unconfessed sin in you before we take communion this morning? this table as sons and daughters eager to hear your voice. May we come to you with maturity of willing, be willing to say in maturity it's not about me. May that be common for us. May we come to this table forgetting what is behind. May we come to this table knowing The strength only comes through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Hope only comes through that. May we come to this table with circumstances that we don't understand, but our eyes fixed on Jesus. Commandments that are in front of us that we can't keep in our own strength, but our eyes are fixed on you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for giving us an opportunity to know you as Father. Thank you, Jesus, for humbling yourself for us. May that represent, may humility be represented in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for communion today. In your name I pray, amen.